show who thinks your host and back of course is christian conway from new york yeah good afternoon everyone back in my my comfy bunker in san diego yeah and uh you know it's what we call california chili here <laughs> of course. and uh but you know um, we're gonna start with uh the review for the cup final against toronto and seattle of course for me anyway i was not surprised uh that seattle won uh i definitely thought they i mean there were times where toronto obviously had shots and like had a run for their money and i know that you know you and i were texting during the match of like how slow toronto looked at times um and Jordan Morris had great runs. He just didn't get, you know, his goal. But, um, I mean, you know, Rui Diaz is a star. And um, that that shot from Rodriguez, I mean, they deserved, they deserved to win. And um, I kind of feel for my uh, Sounders friends because they, you know, they had the parade right after. And then, you know, there's international call-ups. And it's like a lot of guys are missing from the parade. So, um, your takes? I mean... Toronto in this final for 60 minutes. Ours is a cruel sport. And I think Toronto for 60 minutes in this final were the better team. I thought they were absolutely excellent at times. Greg Vanny's game plan was basically executed to a T. He had players, you know, absolutely, you know, nailing his tactical identity to a T. Um, Michael Bradley rolled back the years, looked like a man that was playing for a $6.5 million contract, and he was. Um, It's just... I, I, from a Toronto perspective, I can't help but think, what if Josie Elster is on the field for minute one in this game? Because a lot of those, oh, yeah. a lot of those half chances, I think, turn into good chances. And I mean, Stephen Fry, as we have come to expect, was absolutely excellent um, in goal. But I, I, I think, again, it's it's one of those things where in MLS, it, the, the playoffs are all about the right scenarios going in your favor and the the right conditions in the camp and everything going in your favor to the point where you can ride a certain level of luck and ability to the cup and to the cup final. And I think for Toronto, I mean, they, they had it right. Except for every single one of the games they won the playoffs, you kind of sat there and said, yeah, but Josie makes this team a lot better in these situations. And I mean, full credit to Toronto. They went out in difficult situations for both teams beating NYCFC in city field, which kind of a weird scenario, but unfortunately that's the reality of, of NYCFC in this league right now is that they were going to have to play in, in the baseball stadium until they can secure a, a permanent stadium. But they, they went move from one baseball stadium to the next baseball stadium, right? <laughs> yeah. So they go out and, and I, I can't imagine either team felt particularly comfortable about the whole entire city field thing. They go out and they, they put up just a, workman like 90 minutes they go to atlanta they put up a workman like 90 minutes and i think so it was was weird because if you think about the first goal that that seattle scores it's it's really against the run of play out of all kind of instances and there's a whole entire great quote about like uh everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the face and i think that's really what happened with toronto for 60 minutes they were absolutely fantastic they concede a goal in like the 63rd minute i believe um, that's kind of a fluky own goal. I mean, Leardon is in an attacking position and crosses it in, but I mean, that's an easy ball for a defense normally to, to deal with. And just, there's a minor moment where George, or, uh, Justin Morrow has a brain fart and he sends it in the back of his own net. And then all of a sudden, all this discipline and tactical new now that Toronto had completely went out the window. And then they were, it looked like they just didn't 
have a plan for conceding a goal. And I credit Seattle for then taking the advantage in that moment of confusion and absolutely using it to dominate the game from there on out. But I think Toronto really let the ball drop on this one. And I know Matt Doyle said that they got too comfortable. I, I kind of agree with that, that they had 60 minutes of dominance. And then when there was no end product, they were, I think they were, I think we're a little bit confused um, or a little bit frustrated as, as to not being up a goal after 45 minutes and then after 60 minutes. And I think that really shaped the, the way this game was played. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. But at the same time, I also feel like, you know, the Sounders had their home advantage. They've got their fans cheering for them the entire time. And obviously coach uh, Schmetzer's, you know, done wonders for, for this team. A lot of people argue that this is the best Sounders team, um, you know, right now. And so I, I can see, like I said, like how they ended up pulling it off in, in, in Toronto. Like you said, they did have their, their chances. They just, they just weren't able to capitalize. And I also was going to say that um, I saw like when Josie Altador got that, that header, I mean, you're right. Like that's exactly what you bring that guy in for. And yes, it was a consolation goal, but Josie, it's Josie yeah. starts that game and you get 90 minutes of that versus 15 minutes of that just because of a dumb quad injury. Like that's, yeah. that I think is the, and I hate saying the what if of this match, but the what if of this match is that Josie Elster starts and plays all 90 minutes. The mm-hmm. very, I mean, Toronto's probably got too cold. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that there were like, you know, two former G's on, on Toronto and, uh, you know, Gonzalez being one of them, but you know, again, he's just, you know, slowed down since. So yeah, they were asking him to defend on the front foot, which I thought was really interesting considering that Gonzalez yeah. and a front foot kind of defender guy. That's why you always paired him with AJ De La Garza because AJ had the pace. And so he could defend on the front foot. And Omar Gonzalez, I think, has constantly been used in a lot of back lines where they're like, oh, you can play like a modern center back, which means step to the ball and whatever. And, and I've always kind of seen Omar Gonzalez as, well, you put him in a back line for the emergency situations where you just need to get the ball out of the box. Like, and... Mm-hmm. I think we saw a little bit in this game where they were exploiting the fact that Omar's pace has really left him. Um, and in Omar's defense, he, he wasn't 100% healthy. Um, he had just returned to the starting lineup. I think a lot of people were surprised that he had started, considering he had been injured. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's a testament to both these clubs. I mean, the, what this is the third time in four years they've met right. in the final. I mean, it's a testament to both clubs, the institutional excellence that they possess and the commitment and culture that they that both these clubs have built and i mean we as galaxy fans have seen seattle probably more than we've seen we've definitely seen seattle more than we've seen toronto we know what seattle the seattle founders are yeah. um, but I think I, I, it was it was cup finals have a tendency to be like cagey kind of dare i say boring affairs i was gonna say like very mlsy <laughs> i mean yeah i've always maintained that if you're going to introduce like that own goal you're just like of course like <laughs> if you're going to introduce anyone to soccer always have them watch the semi-final of the world cup never the final because the final is always miserable <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but i think this was or a galaxy game come on <laughs> usually the world cup gets people in because there's some level of like understanding that it's like the biggest sporting event in the world oh, um, no i know but, uh, I mean, it, it was a fantastic cup. It was, it was played at a pretty high pace. I mean, it just, I think, I think if, if you're Seattle, it, it, it was the definition of, or this final was 
your postseason summed up into 90 minutes, which is bend, don't break. And they bent and they bent and they bent and they didn't break. And they took advantage of their opportunities. Rodriguez's uh, goal, the second goal, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, Rui Diaz on the third goal shows why you played to the whistle. And I mean, he was running against Chris Mavingo, who was clearly dealing with something, either a cramp or, or some form of, mm-hmm. of leg injury. But, you know, you can't let yourself get punked like that as a center back. Um, I mean, the Seattle Sounders did what they've done all postseason, which is show a willingness to run you into the ground. And if they're more than happy to do the dirty work, they're more than happy to just to grind. And yeah, I mean, they did it against LAFC for 90 minutes. They did it against Toronto for 90 minutes. And I mean, they're at home in front of 70,000 people and it's an intense atmosphere. And you, you figure, I, I almost think that got to them a little bit because um, they did look really nervy in that first half. But yeah. again, it's the, the, the pressure to bring it home because they hadn't yeah. done that yet. Or to win it at home, yeah. It's almost like road teams, and 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 we we talked about this in our preview that uh, the home team has won six out of eight MLS Cups. But I always quietly feel like if you're the road team, you have a little bit less pressure on you because there's no expectation to deliver. If you win, it's awesome. Like it's 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 unexpected. Instead of a home team where these tickets sell out so fast, and there's all this you. You live in the city, so you see the buildup into the cup final, and, and all of a sudden you kind of realize, oh, wow, we have to bring this home, like, on our home soil. That's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the first 45 minutes, Seattle kind of felt that. But, again, it, it, I, I come back to this one entire idea that it, this is what Seattle was in the postseason, which was a team that just bent and bent and bent and ate of pressure but never broke. And Toronto gave them a ton of pressure for 60 minutes, and Seattle bent, and then – they they didn't break. And, I mean, Pozuelo was fantastic. Michael Bradley was fantastic. I mean, Jonathan Osorio was... Maybe the only time that we can say that, and Michael Bradley was pushing forward and, you know, like, you wish you could say that. We all know that I'm a huge Michael Bradley fan, so... <laughs> you all, y'all don't understand defensive midfielders, so that's... <laughs> uh, I mean, Benazé was, was excellent. Endo was excellent. And yet, Seattle just has one of the best spines in this in this league. I mean, Kim Key, he is a fantastic center back. They've got Roman Torres. And Roman Torres, no one really knew what we were going to get with Roman Torres. I was going to say that they started him, though. Yeah. Over, yeah. I was expecting Ariaga, but. Yeah. Just, I, th- I thought he wasn't going to make any changes. I mean, you go out and beat the best team in MLS history. Like, why change anything, you know? Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking. So to see him in that back line starting, you're like, oh, okay. I'm not going to lie. I think that was Schmetzer kind of hedging a bet that Toronto was sandbagging on how injured Josie Elstor was. Yeah. So he wanted a really physical center back just in case Josie shows up and plays that and and starts. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, it worked. Yeah. Um, But again, and Gustav Svensson was an absolute wizard in the defensive midfield for Seattle. I mean, he's, I mean, the, the Seattle team, if you think about it, they let, the league's greatest defensive midfielder and Ozzy Alonso walk. They let, or they had Chad Marshall retire on them. Arguably well, yeah, greatest, that wasn't their choice, but yeah. Arguably the league's greatest center back retire halfway through their season. Yeah. Uh, they had a ton of injuries. They had no idea what they were going to get with Jordan Morris coming back after that ACL tear. That's absolutely right. I mean, Roman Torres goes out for 10 games due to a PED suspension. Like, mm-hmm. this was very far from a sure bet for Seattle. And I, I, I think it's a testament to that club that they went through that and didn't 
look like they, they it didn't look like they blinked. And I mean, again, they they bent, but they didn't break. And that was right. I think the story of Seattle's really 2019 MLS season. Yeah, because they did look cast after that first half. You know, yeah. like again, Toronto to give them a run for their money. Yeah, it was it was weird, and I and I think I think again the occasion probably got to them a little bit. I also think, I mean, they put in miles against LAFC. <laughs> like they did. They yeah, that's not an easy place game. to play. Yeah. Yeah, but like again, they figured out that defense to be able to run right over them, and Bella was non-existent. So. Yeah. So, I mean, this was it's a question it. Ours is the game where it's matters of moments, and in the big moments, Seattle knew and finished well and did what they needed to do at a higher level than Toronto did. And that's, I mean, the kind of simple translation of what happened in 2018 MLS Cup. Yeah. And before we get into um, the offseason now, segueing from MLS, we want to talk U.S. men's national team. As they face Canada tonight um, for the Concacaf Nations League, very important game. Four thirty on ESPN two. If you would like to uh, yell at your TV for ninety minutes to let out some stress, <laughs> you let out some stress, and and you know uh, we want to touch on what what Stewart said because um, he he said you know that everybody looks at the last result, which obviously was a loss, um, and, and there's a lot riding on the current U.S. men's team because because we didn't qualify, because we lost to a team, um, and not to, you know, discredit Canada, we, like, we'd already covered that, but, you know, going in, we had these expectations of, like, okay, so we're going to start, you know, getting back to the U.S. men's team that we know, which we expect them to qualify for you know, the World Cup and, you know, we lost the Gold Cup. And so there's, there's a lot going on right now in terms of the pressure on, on our guys. And like the feeling of you can't trust Greg Berhalter to play the guys like, like they should be played. Um, I'm pulling up that, that quote right now uh, from Stuart and everybody looks at the last result that we had that's really simple that wasn't good enough we can all be very short about that however i have seen in games we played and i'll reference the first 25 minutes against mexico our players showed they can perform at a really high level and there's been some other games now the question for us more is not so much can these players do that because they've already showed that they can however what i would say is that we need to do that over 90 minutes and that's something we're constantly talking about how can we get there how can we progress to having our players keep that and maintain that for 90 minutes and as grant hall said um wouldn't it be better for the u.s men's best players pulisic mckinney adams to play a high pressing style that seems to fit them better than greg berhalter's style and i agree with that and that's what's so frustrating the 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 ernie stewart quote about the 25 minutes against mexico is as the reason for believing there is there is good in this program is absolutely like right. if, if you were a U.S. men's national team fan, the fact that some person in U.S. soccer house in Chicago has told you that 25 minutes against Mexico in a match that they lost is the entire reason for believing in Greg Berhalter. I mean, just the whole entire concept of that quote at face value is basically ridiculous. But then, so let's unpack it. If Ernie Stewart wants to throw these quotes out there, then I'm more than happy to unpack them. 25 minutes against the Mexico team that is clearly beating you in every single age group. Yes. In a match that you lost in the Gold Cup. And that's the reason for keeping on a head coach that has, I mean, what, what is Greg Berhalter's signature way? Like, 
any conversation about Greg Berhalter over the past two years has to begin with, what is Greg Berhalter's signature win? And I think it's what? A friendly against Ecuador, maybe? And that's not any detriment to Ecuador. Ecuador is a fantastic national team. Right. It's a friendly. So, yeah. and again, it's, it's been two years. What discernible progress has the U.S. men's national team made in these two years? And I, I can't point to anything. And no. The fact that we're, we are now talking. And, and you individually watch the U.S. men's players succeed in their clubs. And they, and they look happier being with their clubs than they do with yes. the national team. Yes. It's like, I mean, for example, like Pulisic, when he got pulled off in Toronto and he did not have a great game, I think we can all agree on that. Right. But then again, which U.S. player did outside of but then but then after that game didn't he go score like a yeah. hat trick for chelsea and like after and started like and he looks dejected he looks angry on the bench and he goes to chelsea and he looks like he's having the time of his life yeah body language matters and i every single camp i've seen body language from players around greg Berhalter that indicates to me that none of the player group is happy about this and they're not happy about what's going on they're not happy about like it, it it's it's disheartening, and I and I mean, okay, this is the Concacaf Nations. Like it's the first time around, you wanna you wanna do well, and it's it's you know, I have colleagues that support European teams, and they said, oh, it was so much fun to be involved in the Nations League, and like I have friends that are England fans, and they said, oh, the run that we made in the Nations League was super fun. I, this is a must-win match. I mean, not well. I mean, obviously, it's a must-win match in order for them to qualify into the Nations League quarterfinals. Right. That we all know, but. I think this is a must-win match to get people back excited. And get the fans back into believing. Because, like, back when I was, was 2018, I was trying to keep, you know, the promise of the U.S. men's national team alive and, like, try to give hope to the fans because, obviously, like, it's, it is broken. I mean, and if we're talking about keeping realistic expectations uh, for this team and if we're talking about, okay – and I can just hear Jamie now, but let's say we're not trying to win World Cup. We're just trying to be able to compete, to show that we can compete at this point in the world's game. And I, that's I, like the constant argument. I think it's, a, it's an incredible regression of this country's soccer stature. Exactly. I completely we are, agree. We are now sitting here in, in I mean. That if not for the U.S. women's national team, I feel like there wouldn't be kids who would want to grow up and play for this exactly. country. And, and then you have people who are choosing um, you know, Mexico over playing for the U.S. Efrain did that. And, and Ulysses um, Lanez, Alex Mendez are probably going to do the same. Exactly. You know, and, and then, then you have somebody like, and forgive my Dutch for not being good as a Dest. Yeah. Sure yeah. Know. Okay. That's what I thought. And uh, yeah, I know. Ironic, right? When my last name and my dad comes from Amsterdam. But anyways, um, yeah. Well, thanks, mom and dad. I'm an English teacher. So, um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but, you know, then, then you have somebody like Dest. I mean, okay, granted, the Dutch national team also didn't um, qualify for, for the World Cup. And, in fact, their under-17 just lost to Mexico, um, but, you know. The national team, there's a clear idea under Ronald Koeman of how there, there, there's there's a blueprint. And I, I feel with the U.S. national team, there is there is nothing. I mean, I feel like we were gifted Dest. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. that's what I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, please don't squander this. Like, it, is an, it is an utter indictment on U.S. soccer, on the way that we stand right now as a soccer nation, that we have regressed from a nation that in 2002 made the quarterfinals of the World Cup and probably should have made the semifinals had Torsten Springs not handballed off the line in that game against Germany to yes. you're sitting here right now today being like, 
and we see very, the numbers. Very strong chance we do not qualify for 2022. Right, right, exactly. And and we we see the numbers in viewers for MLS Cup for the attendance um, away and and even in, in stadiums like Atlanta that can you know hold the capacity that we're looking for. And it's just like this is a soccer country. You know, and and exactly, I, I especially for U.S. men's, I mean, I'm tired of being an embarrassment to, I mean, it's still got a long ways to go, sure, but I, I want us to at least feel like we're getting back on track and that we're on where we should be, because, like, as of right now, it's like we're talking about just trying to, you know, it's get... An indict- it's an indictment to this federation yeah. that they're playing this game in Orlando. I'm trying to, like, figure out where to even get, like, on a dirt road is what we're trying to get back on like you right. know <laughs> it is an indictment to this federation that they're playing this game in orlando which is a it, it is a phenomenal soccer facility that they've got down uh, orlando city stadium which i think is a twenty-five thousand seater and i think last check they sold twelve thousand seats yeah an indictment on this federation marketing. this is this is not on the fans this is not no this is an indictment on the federation and what they have done and what they continue to do um yeah. I, defending I, losses of course uh, I will say, I think this is going to be a very different game than the, the game that happened in Toronto. I mean, if you look at the back line that they fielded that night, Danny Lovitz, Tim Ream, Aaron Long, DeAndre Yedlin, for the first time in forever, John Brooks is healthy. And when John Brooks is healthy, he's a, a he's an A-grade center back, so that'll help. Um, and they have Sergino Depp in, the, in, in, and I have a feeling Sergino starts over Danny Lovitz. Um, so the back line's going to be a lot better. Um I mean, Alfredo Morales has been killing it for two to Dusseldorf. He'll probably get a start tonight. Weston McKinney has gone through it at Schalke, and he's still here. So it's going to look different than it did in Canada, but at least lineup-wise. My question is Ian Dark's words as the broadcast was closing when he said it was a lifeless, limp, error-strewn, calamitous performance from the United States. Yeah. That's not, Did we say that Pulisic was injured and he won't be? Yeah, Pulisic uh, Pulis will not okay. be here. But, but I think you're, you're playing Canada and Cuba. You don't need Pulisic for these games. <laughs> I, no. No. Theori- no, no, no. Theoretically, you should not need <laughs> Let's Pulisic. Let's try to like, build up the other guys. <laughs> Let's do this. Like, well, theoretically, you should not need Pulisic. Well, also that. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. What Canada did so well against the United States and what was so frustrating and also what made it so stark is that Canada had a game plan and played it. And they... It was a bog-standard 4-4-2 diamond, Bruce Arena-era-esque soccer. I mean, every Galaxy fan will recognize the, the diamond 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted it more. And I, I, again, I, I, I think I said this after, after the candidate, or after, this, after they played in Toronto, where I was like, I struggle to think of a U.S. team that didn't go out there with some odd... Like, the U.S. teams that we all knew outworked you. They out-wanted it more than you did. It's the reason that they made the 2009 Confederations Cup final and were up 2-0 at halftime against Brazil was they just wanted it more. And that's not any indictment on like Brazil or Spain, the, the, the two kind of big teams that they played. And I mean, they were the, they were the first team to beat Spain in, in like two years in 2009. It, it's not an indictment on how much they wanted. It was just the United States had this psychotic urge to want it more. And every single Bearhalter team I've watched, I'm like, this, this fire of, we want it more than you and we will do anything in our power to get it is completely gone. And it was especially clear in that game yeah. in Toronto where like just the body language and it, and it was guys that I 
I've always associated with this this level of grit and like ah, well, like we said, like we've seen them do it in their clubs. Yeah, and like I mean, for example, like Michael Bradley was on the field in that Canada game, and and I was kind of watching the game, being like, okay, what is Michael going to give the Michael Bradley let's let's go kind of moment? Because Bradley's for I know Bradley's a controversial figure, and I can hear Jamie. Yeah, like, I know. I was thinking the same. All the way down here. All the way down here in San Diego. <laughs> Michael Bradley, one thing that he does very well is he's a very good leader. And that's why he's around national team camps. That's why he still has a very prominent job in Toronto. Is he's a very good leader. And Michael Bradley, that, the Michael Bradley yeah, that I remember, I will give him that. would always just be ready to light into someone if they weren't giving 110%. And, he, he, and even he was, like, strangely muted on the evening. Mm-hmm. And I think and 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 Bear Holter's comments after the game where he says like, oh, like, well, we didn't show enough motivation, we didn't show enough fire. That's on you, buddy. Like that's your yes. job. That is what you do. So I think tonight, tactically, we know what we're going to get with Bear Holter. We're going to get high possession, methodical passing a bit. I didn't even look to see who was like available in camp. I mean, I I know Roldan and Morris. You know, we'll see them, but um, uh, and legit. It's, yeah. It's, bit tiki taka esque kind of Barcelona light. We know what we're getting with him tactically. That's great. You have a defined tactical system. That's all well and good. But 50% of being a manager, and especially a manager of the national team, is okay, cool, your tactics are great, but what can you do to motivate these guys? And I, mm-hmm. I, I every single time I've seen a Greg Berhalter team, I'm like, these, these, these guys look like they're just going through the motions. They look like they're, you know, carrying sandbags on their ankles. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's disheartening. It is. It is. But, I, I, I mean, we're sitting at a must-win game against Canada for a Nations League. Like, <laughs> but, it, but it feels like we're going up against Brazil, you know? <laughs> but this feels like this feels like Trinidad all over again, where it's like we're on the uh-huh. edge of absolute calamity, you know? Uh-huh. It, it really does feel like that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's felt like this for two years. And... And then after, not to like look too far ahead, but like 2026 is going to be hosted Mexico, U.S., Canada, and then that's how you know, like for sure. Well, at least we're, we're going. Be like 26, yeah. You know what I mean? But like, it shouldn't even be like that. It shouldn't even be a question. You know. I feel. But, I feel the United States is going to win tonight. I think. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're always looking to move forward, so I don't want to keep which, dwelling on the fact that we didn't qualify. You know, I do want to give these guys a chance as well. But that, but that has to be the overarching conversation is that this cannot be acceptable for a nation that wants to sit at the table Absolutely. of the greatest soccer nations of the world. Yes. And it, and, and, and missing out on qualification happened. Italy missed out in 2018, so did the Netherlands. Yeah. But yeah. they made very aggressive... But, but yeah, th- those countries, we don't criticize them. Yeah, and they made, they made very <laughs> aggressive... Soccer. They made very aggressive systemic changes to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. I don't think the United States has done... No. Really enough. They haven't. No, not at all. Especially since we know that Berhalter is not going anywhere. Because if I had a choice, I wouldn't want him as coach. I don't. I don't think Bear Halter's job is as safe as he thinks it is. Hmm. I'm just gonna float that out there. Because if you're, <laughs> I mean, like, look at like what happens in the NFL whenever a coach is like, oh yeah, we like the front office has total confidence in the coach. They lose the next week, and on Monday morning we're talking about them getting fired. Which yeah, exactly. Been. That's I, what I'm talking about. Um, like. If Ernie Stewart has to go out and say a lot of what he did, and a lot of what he said, kind of if you break it down, it's like, is it inane and stupid? Um, basically pointing to 25 minutes in a game that you lost, saying like that. And also that. tells you how high up this goes. Like, yeah. 
if, if you're putting 25 minutes in a loss and say, that's the reason that he's my guy, I don't think he's your guy. Mm-mm. I don't think, I don't think they all at soccer house believe that's the guy. So I think if he wins tonight, regardless of what happens against Cuba, I mean, the only way he'd probably get fired in this window is if he goes out and throws an absolute sinker in Orlando tonight and then goes out against Cuba. Um, I see. They're not playing it in Cuba. I believe they're playing it in the Cayman Islands, but I'd have to look it up. Um, and he goes out in uh, whatever Caribbean nation they're playing it in, and he goes out and loses to Cuba. I think if he loses both these games, you you, you, you got to fire him. Um, mm-hmm. Because... Well, no, I, yeah, I don't want to lose. I mean, at this point, I don't want to start. I mean, at this point, it's too late to change the coach, to be honest. Like, this is what this is the cards we're dealt. This is what we're handed to us. So it's like, let's just keep moving forward with it. Well, no, this is the best time, I think, to fire a head coach because it's right before. Oh, okay. Like, it's right before the heck. You can oh, no, it. I meant, yeah, I didn't, I meant, like, if we lose the two games. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Then for sure. But I'm saying if, if we win the two, then it's like, all right, then I guess this is how it is and we're going yeah. Just, you know, because um, because like we're saying, like, because in my mind, I'm thinking, like, it doesn't matter. He's not going anywhere. Um, and then if we do lose and we'll see. But but as far as we know, like right now, he's not going anywhere. And uh, yeah. But if I had a choice, like he would he would be gone. But I mean, but then again, then there's we, again, trying to like, yeah, start over, essentially. Your coach. Soccer nation where we're sitting at a game against Canada and. And I mean this with no disrespect to Canada. Canada has grown as a soccer nation, but exactly. we're sitting at a game in a all right meaningless tournament. I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and we're saying this has to be a must-win, mm-hmm. not for anything in terms of like World Cup qualifying or stuff like that, but just mm-hmm. just to a, show that we're a, pro- a program that needs a needs a, a feel-good win, like not yes. against like you know like. Cuba, but like, and that we're not totally down in the dumps here and that we can actually, if we can do this, then, then we're on the right track and then we can start, you know, doing the, the qualifiers. I just want to see some framework of, I, I want to see some framework of what I can, yeah, I want to see some yeah. framework of what I can point to to be like, this is what Bear Holder does well. And with his Columbus teams, I always could point to it. I don't know what changed when it went to the national team, but either he's not doing a good enough job of getting across his tactical message or winning the locker room over, but he needs to, tonight he needs, he, it, tonight he needs a victory. And I think, yeah. I mean, he's going to have the talent to do it, but if Canada, yeah, goes, exactly. if Canada yes. goes out and does what they did to the United States in Toronto, I don't think the United States has the identity and options to beat it. And that's a concern for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I mean, Canada's been absolutely disastrous on the road in CONCACAF, so like, that's in the United States' favor. Yeah, I didn't look to see what the conditions were going to be in Orlando. Uh, oh, it's, it, it's not a conditions thing. They're just, they've just been bad on the road in CONCACAF. <laughs> 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 I mean, you could argue Canada has the better informed players right now. I mean, Richie Larea was fantastic for Toronto. Um, Sam uh, Adekugbe has been has been good in Norway. I mean, not necessarily something you're at home about, but he's he's... He's been doing the job. I mean, they've got a fantastic goalkeeper in Milan Borjan. Um, Jonathan Osorio, again, fantastic for Toronto. Um, Mark Anthony Pay. I mean, we also need him because he plays for LAFC, but he had a good season again. Um, and, I mean, Alfonso Davies just destroyed Bruce Dortmund in De Classica. Like, they've got good players. And 
that's <laughs> you like I don't know I, I I it feels weird to say but I'd rather take Canada's roster right now than the United States's so mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's going to be an interesting game and and, and again I I just can, I'm, I'm concerned that the apathy that has set in amongst the fan base has now infected yeah. itself into the locker room. So, yeah. I, I think, Agreed. I think tonight's a big moment for this qualifying cycle for the United States men's national team. That anybody, that any U.S. fans and U.S. men fans who are still watching are just like, all right, I'm giving this another shot. <laughs> Grabbing the double, <laughs> the double Jack and Coke, and here we go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like here we go. Um, yeah, so good luck to the U.S. men tonight. I hope they can pull it off. And uh, like I said, I mean, of course, if I could change the coach, we, you know, I would. But but if, if this is what we got, then let's start winning. Like, let's start winning now. Let's just do it. Like, you know, but they, they continue to justify the losses, and I can't. That's what's frustrating. So. All I'm saying is Maximilio Allegri just finished learning English, and he's looking for a job. And all I'm saying is if we fire Greg Berhalter, Max Allegri's Juventus team were pretty, pretty good. I know, right? In, a, in an ideal world. Let's see. We'll have to see. So um, moving right into then the Alley Galaxy post-2019 season review, we finally made it to the forwards. Did something newsworthy happen with one of our forwards over the past three days? Like, yeah. I can't, can't put I my finger on it. People keep like speculating, you know, and they There's, were like... There's this Ibrahimovic dude that apparently like left or something. Yeah, they parted ways, you know, like nobody really wanted to part ways, but it was like it's time, like Rafiki from the Lion King. All of, all of a sudden, I have a very aggressive urge to watch baseball. Okay. <laughs> that that statement. That, that I know. Statement was just prime Ibrahimovic, like. Oh, man. I came, I saw, I conquered. Now go back. No, but, but, but he, we wanted Zlatan, we did get Zlatan, and I, you know, will forever be grateful for the moment shared that, I mean, my international students already know LA Galaxy when they come here, and for them to be super excited to see Ibrahimovic at 37, 38 years old uh, doing his, his thing, I, I mean, you know, a lot of our forwards a lot of our you know main star names they come here not in their prime but for Zlatan to you know give us the gift that is March 31st um against you know LAFC and then you know when we were unbeaten for El Trafico um and and just goals and moments I mean you know, I'm starting on a high, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, there were the lows. There, there are the reasons why I don't feel like it's a good riddance, but I do feel like it was his time to go. Yeah, and I mean, as someone told me, they've never seen a more inv- ruthlessly inventive finisher than Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I think that's a very good description of what Ibrahimovic was, which is that he could create something out of nothing. And I mean. It, it was a phenomenal experience to watch one of the greatest, the greatest players of all time mm-hmm. on our field for two years. In our uniform. And, yeah, and, and I think with Ibrahimovic, I always feel like Ibrahimovic is aggressively underrated when we talk about international soccer. 
Because we talk about Ronaldo, we talk about Messi. Yes, but I think it's just because he doesn't have all the winningest things that they do. I mean, he's you know, a, he's won a title at every club he's been at outside of the LA Galaxy. Like, he's, right? But he's I think like, I think in, on the but, World Cup level, though, right? It's like kind yeah, of where that comes never, from. He never appeared in World Cup internationally, and I, he was he was a little too old to experience with this this generation of Swedish players that are absolutely fantastic. But I think with Ibrahimovic. I mean, he's only one of three players to score 500 goals for club and country. And you know who the other two are? Messi and Ronaldo. Like, mm-hmm. he's in this vaunted company, but we never, I don't think he gets, I, I still think he's oddly disrespectful. Like everyone, or disrespected. Like I feel everyone's like, oh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah, he's really, really good. But right. I but never, maybe that. No, I never ahead. feel like everyone, I, I, I never feel like people are like, oh yeah, he's one of the greatest of all time. Like, so I think Galaxy fans, we got to see Ibrahimovic is a freak of nature. Let's let's be fully honest. And I completely agree. I mean, he's six foot five. He's thirty seven years old and scores thirty yeah. goals. He, at thirty six, he goes post injury and surgery. Thirty six years old, he goes to the Premier League with Manchester United and scores twenty six before he tears his ACL. Like that's nuts. Like, this doesn't make sense. I know. And then he hadn't played for, like, what, like, a, at least almost a year by the time that he had stepped onto our pitch and then did that 40-yard goal on Miller. He literally got off a private aircraft maybe 16 hours ago. Yeah. And does that. I mean, that's—and and the thing about it, it's like, all of his doctors said his recovery from, like, what was a career-ending injury. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, yeah, you'll be able to play, but, like, you're not going to play a full season. And he goes and starts 36 games. Starts. For 36, and plays games, 90 minutes. Plays full like, 90 in every one of them. Like, he, it, it's nuts. It's absolutely insane. And I feel grateful that we got to experience it. Same. Same. I, I feel like the a club, lot of the... The club is in a better place now that he's left. Uh, right. No, I completely agree. And all of us media people definitely have him to thank for that. And the way that he handled the media, even something so small as... as giving Efrain, a young 16-year-old, the advice of, hey, you know, don't talk too much, you know, and and how to handle that and being in the limelight your entire life. I mean, that that is Latan Ibrahimovic, and, and I think that was part of my frustration. And I don't know if it was just because Americans just didn't know who, like, who he was or, or what, because a lot of the hate came from, like, this personality of his. And it's just like, first of all, when I saw him in person, he was really down to earth. He signed every autograph. He took pictures of all the fans. Um, this, you know, I'm the best mentality and this lion-like personality. I mean, part of that is just, I mean, that's that's a front. That's his media yeah. personality. That's just what he did. And I feel like people, like, hated on him for it. And they hated us for it as a result. And, um, you know, even, like, the refs didn't treat him fairly. Um, with the calls, they just weren't consistent. Um, you know, and... And, and that's what was, like, actually kind of, like, frustrating. It's, like, you're you're having one, like, he was just not appreciated enough, I feel, like, by a lot of the fan base in, uh, of us here in MLS, you know? Uh, yeah, but, so the thing, I think, in terms of his perception is that he plays the wrestling heel absolutely fantastically, and he knows it, and he leads into the role. We in MLS only want, or, like, I, I guess MLS fans in general, like, not necessarily specific team fans or whatever, but just fans of the league in general want players that 
tell them the league is excellent and wonderful and perfect and oh my god I'm so surprised with the quality of the level you know whatever and oh my god hum- humbleness or something yeah MLS yeah. is the greatest and like oh America's so cool and like oh so they, they just want all these compliments and that's not Ibrahimovic's personality no Ibrahimovic walked into a the greatest Barcelona team of all time with yeah. Messi at his finest with like Xavi and Iniesta running the midfield and basically said I'm bigger than the, all of you like yeah. that, that that is that is whose thoughts on it, and you, like I, I I don't think I think people who don't kind of appreciate the humor of it believe that he's that type of ego every single minute. Right. Every single interaction I've heard from fans, especially with what you said and and with other fans, is that he is incredibly humble. He's incredibly like impersonable. Yeah, and he. You and just, he does have a great sense of humor. Yeah, he's, he's funny. He's funny to be around. Like, yeah. So, and yeah, he I, dishes I, out criticism as much as he gets it. So, and and, and he's not wrong, especially with the things that he said about our league and the scheduling and the, and the travel. I mean, he's. I mean, this is stuff that, that we fans have been saying. It's just now people are listening because he said it. Yeah, I, I, and, and, and to his on-field credits, I mean, fifty-two goals in fifty-six games like that. Yeah, and just that's, because he didn't win, you know, not. golden boot, it's like, come on, don't don't take away from what he's done and what he's done for the league and the attention that he brought. Now, if you don't make the playoffs this year, if not for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, mainly because he scored 52% of our right. goals this season. But, uh, right. I, it's, it's, I, I, he's, he's one of the just singular, most incredible people ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, and that said, it, it 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 does it did concern me. I mean, at one point, I mean, still kind of does, but like, what, but he's gone now. But my point is, like, he, they, you know, there were times where you did feel like his presence was toxic, and okay, he pushed and seemed to, you know, be extra critical of of players like, you know, legit, and you know, now that he's gone, you don't really see too many of the. Uh, fellow players, you know, bidding him good luck and farewell per se. Um, you know, Lejet did from from U.S. men's camp and like wish him the best. You know, um, uh, but see, okay, so on that front, and I think a lot of people have spilled ink about it and spilled sure, and there and there's a lot of speculation. You know, yeah, and I, and I, and I think people, a lot of people, people go and they don't know, but yeah, yeah and, and people, people talk, people want to talk off their hip. Um, yeah. I mean, I think part of it is. I think there are some players in that locker room that feel like, thank God, this ego is out of the room. But I also think, like, I mean, we're in off-season, guys. They're on vacation. <laughs> and, like, a lot of them, like, I mean, Pablo's in Cordoba, Argentina. Like, Legette's with the men's national team camp. Efren Alvarez is scoring bangers for Mexico in the U-17. Like, like just because they don't post something and grovel at the altar doesn't mean they, they're not affected by this. Like, we don't for see sure. what, what their interpersonal communication is with Lazan or whatever. And, Sure, lots of them got like four burner or four uh, burner phones or something like that. <laughs> yeah, at least, right? Yeah, <laughs> and they're all Samsungs. Uh, so, like, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about this. Like, he's not. He was there for two years. He was absolutely fantastic. But it's not like we're saying goodbye to a club institution that like had been there for 15 years and was like the heart and soul of the LA Galaxy. Like, I'm sure they all have expressed some level to Zlatan, those that I think are at least still on his side they've, they've obviously expressed some level of hey i hope I, I wish you on your next endeavor they don't have to do it publicly for us to consume you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. So um, I will find it interesting where Zlatan finds his next stop. The rumor is AC Milan, but Milan. Milan's a bit of a tire fire right now, and I don't think Zlatan <laughs> fix that. I know. I think so. I think another new head coach might be in order over there. I know a lot of people are saying like, well, then he should just retire. But if you're Zlatan, you're not you're not retiring. No, he's, um, he's going to be forced the game. I mean, there, there's no way that he. Yeah. He he voluntarily retires, and I mean, for any club in Europe that needs goals, sign him for a six month. Like, he he can score. So I, I think he'll, I think he'll end up in Italy. Um, I think that's a league that suits him well, and the fact that he doesn't he doesn't have to put as many miles on the tank, um, just in terms of the play style of Italian soccer in Serie A. Um, he loves Milan. He loves the city. He's played for both clubs. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, he's been there. He's always wanted to go back. In fact, um, when he was sold by AC Milan to PSG, he was absolutely furious because he loved Milan so much. Um, so I have a feeling the Galaxy went into negotiations knowing possibly one of the Milan clubs made an offer and mm. they were like, Oh, cool. We're going to lose this negotiation every single time. Right. Um, right. <laughs> and, 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 and we'll get more into it, like DTK and GBS doing, doing their things and, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, Zlatan was going to do whatever Zlatan was going to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, Z's never really stayed at a place for longer than like three years. Like this, yeah. is, this is not unexpected. I mean, if you look, his Barcelona tenure was a bit. And um, everyone wanted one more year because of how everything was going, and we want that cup. You know, when we just or, felt so close. But again, and I, I think the Galaxy made the same bet, or the same, or they made. They weren't willing to bet on a 38-year-old for one more year in a league where travel is so difficult and so physically demanding, and the league is actually a very physical league. Like. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, I, I think they watched that negotiation knowing fully well they were going to lose it, and they had to just basically They just face. had to offer him something yeah. on the table. Yeah. yeah, they had to say face. But, again, in a league where travel is very difficult, it's a very physical league, like, you're going to bet on a 38-year-old to score 30 goals again next season. That's mm-hmm. a gamble. That, that is a gamble. And mm-hmm. if it works, you look smart. But if it doesn't work, right. you're the dumbest human being alive. And I just don't think this one office wanted to be looking like the dumbest people alive. Well, and, and and seeing the movements that we're already kind of seeing with some pieces that we didn't expect to see go first, but here we are, you know, um, it, it's also like, okay, well, I can see now where perhaps Lachlan, you know, it's just kind of funny thing to say, being the player that he is, but he just doesn't fit in our club anymore. Yeah, and, and if you look at a lot of the movement that's been made, we're, of course, we do need to get on with the wingers at some point. Yeah, um, we will. <laughs> I'm, I'm already, I got Pavon's name circled in my notebook. Like, that's what I want to get on with. Yeah. And Ibrahimovic, much like he did on the field, takes up so much gravity. I think with Ibrahimovic leaving and a lot of the other parts leaving, this is the like I, I'm looking at this at what is kind of going on. I'm like, finally, Dennis Teclosa and Toloto have an empty whiteboard to work with. Like, they're not dealing with the island of misfit toys that was the root of the <laughs> Bahamut, Schmidt, Kinnear, et cetera, era. Like, if you if you look at those two teams, like the 2017-2018 team for the Galaxy, none of it really cohesively makes sense. Like, they're all talented players individually in their own right. I think that makes sense. But I think the reason that a lot of them regressed, like, regressed as players was because just because you've got a good assembly of just individual talent in specific positions doesn't necessarily mean it comes together as a team. And, like, 
now, I mean, they got rid of Shelvick. Zlatan's leaving. I mean, on two. Well, they. I haven't heard anything about Shelvick. I mean, I just assumed oh, he was he was released by the club. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't see that. I missed got that because him. I saw about everybody else. But. <laughs> uh, and stay tuned for next week, guys. That's why we're not. We're just touching base on that. <laughs> like all these dissimilar parts that. On paper, if you look at their resumes, you're like, oh yeah, this should this should work. But if you are building a team, not necessarily like just because like the resume looks good doesn't mean they're going to be fitting in well. And and I think now, um, and and now, I mean, Ibrahim, which obviously that move becomes available to you, you make it. Um, but now with Ibrahim, which gone and a lot of other players gone, this is I think the first real chance we'll be able to grade Dennis Tocosa and Shaloto in terms of how they build a roster, how they want this team to look like and how they want the club to be moving forward. So I think that's going to be really interesting through the off season into next season. Is now I feel like we finally have a chance to grade DTK and Shiloto on an off season and a regular season coming into 2020. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the wingers. Yes. So Pavon, Christian Pavon joined us, um, you know, Argentinian, uh, World Cup experience, and you just—it it was like he was everything that we had been missing in in this club to be able to to play Zlatan ball, to service the ball up top, to also score. Um, I definitely think as soon as he come in, he had come in during the summer window, and a lot of people say, well, he, you know, joined kind of late, and you know, statistically, it doesn't really like show that he made that much of a difference, but. Just as a fan and somebody who's been watching and and knowing this club, um, I mean, I just you could see the differences. Not just because of you know that he could score, but it was just like the quality of play. Like it, it made everybody step up. You know, thirteen appearances, four goals, five assists. That's pretty good numbers. And if you yeah. calculate that over a thirty-six game season, that's really good numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I'm excited to see, and I'm glad that he can stay with us. I firmly believe in players that when they get on the ball, the stadium just almost goes quiet because they want to see what a player's about to do. Yeah. And I didn't think any other player outside of Ibrahim which really had that gravity for the Galaxy until mm-hmm. Pavone came in. And he's electric to watch. He's phenomenally smart. He's a- and he cuts in where you're just like, oh my gosh, now he's playing on the other side. <laughs> talented with the ball he's defensively very smart he's a consummate winger like he is absolutely brilliant yeah he'll take on defenders yeah and we've got him for free for another year pretty much like that is (laughs) incredible i want Um, them to buy him i want them to keep him (laughs) yeah i mean the thing thing about Pavone is they'll buy him but if he keeps up what he's doing and and Pavone stagnated at boca juniors like he definitely there if you watch a lot of his boca footage over the past season I think a lot of Galaxy fans were really nervous about what they were getting because Pavone didn't have a good time after the World Cup at Boca and I think he had grown up there it was his boyhood club like I mean he had been there for so long and sometimes in, in people attest to this just in general work setting like you just need to change the scenery you need to go somewhere different and Pavone has has said in multiple interviews he said I was I was nervous about coming to the United States I wasn't sure what it was going to like what it was going to be like culturally whatever he said, I, he said, I'm lucky because I have a very good team around me. And, and, and this is something that the Galaxy front office does very well, which is that they do a very good job of ensuring that players have a very good support network as soon as they come to the United States. And 
he took that support network and used it and turned it into 13 games of utter magic. Like he was electric every single time he touched the ball. And I hope that he can continue that in the next year because they're going to need a 10 goal, 10 assist guy on the way. They, they just, from knowing Shaloto's Boca teams and stuff like that, he, he likes high producing wingers. And I think if Pavone can keep that up, then the Galaxy are in for a very good season next year. If Pavone and, and whoever pairs him on the other side of the wing can, uh, yeah. can, and, keep, and this is, can keep it up. And this is where I, I, my heart sinks a little bit because I, I do like Alessandrini and I want to keep him. And I know there's rumors of him being um, in Montreal and that interest that's been over there. Um, and, you know, we were all waiting for Alessandrini to come back from injury and to want to see him paired with Pavon. No, you know, that said, like Alessandrini, you know, you knew that he, he was going to coming off of an injury and not been playing for a while. And so, you know, that, you know, he's going to be a little bit, let's say, rusty and like have to like fit his way back in. Um, but I just wanted to see another season, you know, and build that depth that we were wanting, you know, Alessandrini off the bench. Okay, fine. Now that uh, Pontius is retired, we're going to need that depth. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I know that Antuna can, can fit over there. Fabio Alvarez can fit over there. Um, you know, but it's like, I like, I like that particular pairing though. Well, with, for, um, Alessandrini and Pavon, but, but. We're also operating a world where Fabio is not coming back and we have no idea. Right. If, if Antuna is coming back. Right. With Alessandrini, again, it's a gamble because this has been the, the mark against him his entire career is that he's really, really good when he's healthy. He gets injured a lot. And it happened to Marseille. And, that's why, and like, had it not happened as much as Marseille, I think he would, he'd still be in France. So right I, un- I completely understand the, so, that he's leaving, you know, but he, the passion that he shows for this. I don't, I don't think he's leaving. Yeah. I, I is the reason I want to keep him too. <laughs> I think he's leaving. I think everything I've heard from Tecosa and Shaloto, they really like the guy. I mean, if you look at the Montreal game, or sorry, the uh, well, fans though are worried about all that injury yeah. proneness, you know, and that's, yeah, we we're fans. We're and, and, the, and the DP spot, right? Yeah. That's like we're the big fans. thing. We worry about everything. Um, <laughs> well, also that, <laughs> but if you look at the Minnesota and LAC playoff game, all of journey comes into those games and those games turn into absolute galaxy advantages for the minutes that he's on the field. Like, they, uh, they they have to look at that and say, all right, you know what, we got even if it's just for another season. Just, like you can like I think I think partially why they haven't why they've been kind of kid gloves with Austin Journey in terms of what's going to happen is I do believe there is firm interest from Montreal and Montreal needs to make a big signing. Um, especially now that uh, Thierry, Thierry on Reed as coach is not, you know yeah, <laughs> you just wake up in the morning and you're like, What the hell? Sure, the thing about Terry Henry as head coach of Montreal. I know. I'd go and look at his Monaco team. That's what everybody was saying. It yeah. was really not good. Um, anyway. I mean, I mean it's Shesh Fabregas and a lot of other players and almost got them all relegated. So, and I'm, mm, mm. I don't know if he's necessarily the greatest head coach. Um, but with Austin Drini, I mean, we've kind of known this, like, that he longs to be around. He, he, he has said he he does miss France. He has said he does miss being around people like French speakers all the time and stuff like that. So I mean Montreal would make sense. He he does he does love LA, but he does. He's definitely an Instagram husband or boyfriend or whatever he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> if 
I'm the Galaxy, I find a way to get him down on a allocation money contract and free up that designated player spot, which I think they can do. Um, but then again, I never know with this league's inane rules. I know. I don't know how they navigate the rules, let's be honest. You need, like, three doctorates, a PhD, and <laughs> a BA, and also probably a, a law degree as well while you're at it. Um, yeah, no kidding. But I think, I think it makes sense to, to, to gamble one more year. I think on Alessandrini. and Journey. And ten goal, ten assist guys off the wing are very rare in MLS. And I I I, I doubt you're gonna find value for money better than Alessandrini. Like mm-hmm. I I think it's even if it even if you can't get the allocation money contract down, even if you have to waste or waste quote unquote, if you have to use a designated player spot on him, what you saw in those last two playoff games, that has to justify at least another half season. And the thing is, you've got the summer window. If it doesn't work out, you can cut. Absolutely. Easy to cut dead weight in MLS if you realize it's not working halfway through the season. Like it's very easy to do that in this league. I think and, it's hard for people to understand this. This is still a rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know we all want the cup and we're all salivating, but. Like, thing, right? Like we made the playoffs. We win a road playoff game. Yep. Yeah, all of us are going to successful season. Yeah, it's a successful season. Yet we're like. So this rebuild that's about to happen in the offseason, like, it's so weird. I know. And you're just like, oh, I just left out. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, I, I, I can't see a reason not to go one more season with Alessandrini, unless you, it, it, unless what happens, they get the proverbial offer you can't refuse, like they did for Dave Romney with Nashville, and yeah. just Montreal breaks the bank and just offers you just incredible amount of allocation money or offers you I mean I guess Ignacio Piatti but he's getting a little up there and or, mm-hmm. I mean maybe you see Lapalainen because at least you can get striker up there but I can't see a package that Montreal could offer that would coax the Galaxy into doing this unless they were willing to do it in the first place so I think Austin Drini comes back for another year um but I've also put the kiss of death on Bobby Alvarez and a few other players in these off-season reviews. So I'm yeah. Here. Um, yeah, it's exciting. But I mean, he 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 actively impacted games. I mean, he he had two assists in the postseason. Like mm-hmm. after being injured for an entire year and an injury that's yeah. not really easy to recover from. Like, and he was taking shots that yeah, yeah. he was fired up. He was going to make that yeah. In, in in a world now where now that Ibrahimovic is gone, like you need to look for and Fabio's gone, yeah. You've got to look for leaders in the locker room. I think Allison Drini and Jonathan DeSantis are the next two kind of biggest leaders. Well, GDS for captain that understand what it means to be a Galaxy player. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think I pray that they bring him back. Um, but yeah. I will also segue over to Farah's thought for the tuna. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Tuna. I I want to see him stay. I I really, you know, I was hoping that we were gonna get some more some more time with him. He's young. Um, he does bring a spark. Um, when when Alessandrini wasn't there, you you know you could when and you're you're missing your other guys. Like that's that's who's gonna gonna fill in. And I just feel like he he's got so much. You see him. You see him play um internationally and you're just like see bring that to the club buddy <laughs> i think with Antuna, his role in gbs's system was not necessarily a goal scoring straight or a goal scoring winger i think he was more right. like a short winger 
more of an assist guy. And again, we have to kind help of, with our defending. We have to kind of scale out and say that a lot of the strategy this year was get the ball to Zlatan and hope Zlatan will do well, Zlatan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that kind of that that hurt the wingers' effectiveness just because wingers, instead of trying to find or instead of trying to shoot or find a, a dagger pass to any other player, it was always, oh, what's, what, where's Zlatan? I need to get the ball to him. But I thought Antuna was, Antuna's work rate, was, work rate was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was fantastic. Um, he was prone to mistakes, but I mean, he's 22. Like, he's a young player. And a lot of what I saw from Antuna was stuff that is coachable. Like, a lot of mistakes that mm-hmm. I thought were like, yeah, but I mean, another year with a really good coach, and he's going to get exactly. that. Exactly. Um, I mean, six goals, five assists, that's pretty good numbers for a winger, just in general. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think there was also moments where you saw Antuna and were just like, come on, man, like, you've got to, like... You just got to, you got to make those shots. Yeah, you got like to gotta take those shots. You've got to take the shot or you've got to make that shot or you've got you've to make that pass. And, it, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was... Oh, very, the passing, yeah. It was very much that where it was like, he doesn't, he didn't show a lot of the soccer IQ that I think he needed to show at times. But I mean, again, 22, he's young. I was going to say, yeah. Those are all coachable things. So give the kid a chance. The the problem is with Antuna is that we're not sure if he's coming back. Because apparently they, uh, Manchester city got a, a $13 million bid for him and rejected it. Mm. And if I'm the galaxy and I hear that they rejected a 13 million for Antuna, I'm like, I don't know if I want to pay whatever they're asking for Antuna. Mm-hmm. I, if, if it had been like an eight to seven million dollar move, then yeah, I, I make that move. But that's a lot of money for him. That, yeah, it, especially because there's probably like you said, and, and we're not sure what. It, yeah, it's 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 betting a lot on a hand you can't see. Exactly, and also you know, it is poker. <laughs> with MLS, I mean, with MLS, it's all about maximizing value per dollar. Um, in the salary cap league, regardless of the league, it's always about maximizing value per dollar. I don't mm-hmm. think you're actually, yeah, I think you can go out in this league. Well, even and then Sheldick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> value for dollars. Maximizing value for dollars. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I, um, but I think, I think you can go out in this league and go out in, even in the domestic player pool, and go find a value for dollar player that plays on Tuna's role that's a little bit, that's a lot cheaper, but also maybe a little bit more effective. And the one player that I point to that I, I I don't think Colorado is going to get rid of, but I, I think if, if if they could make a move for it, would be uh, Jonathan Lewis over in Colorado. Like mm-hmm. really young, exciting, a talented, uh, exciting, talented attacker who's just played himself into the U.S. Men's National Team picture. He's going to be good. He had a great years at NYCFC, and literally all my friends who support NYCFC are like, "Why did we get rid of him?" Um, oh yeah. He had a decent year in Colorado, but I will say no one in Colorado had a particularly no. great year. No. Um, Sorry, Jess, to my Colorado counterpart. I'm not female. Timmy Howard. Um, oh, dear. But, and, and well, uh, Andre Shinichi was also good for Colorado this year. Um, but, like, you can go out and fill what Antuna gave. And that's why, when, when we talk about players and we talk about, like, this rebuild that apparently we are undergoing for the third round. I know. I'm, I'm like, okay, Cup 2021. <laughs> I keep thinking about players where I'm like, okay, who can I point to that's a like-for-like comparison in MLS? And if I can point to someone that's very 
very much that on a lower contract, I'm like, then that's a position that the Galaxy can go and be smarter about value-wise. And on Tuna's slot, I can think of three or four service wingers that aren't necessarily goal scorers, but they're very good off the wing. They're good attacking options, like Jonathan Lewis, et cetera. And I'm like, you don't need to spend $15, 15 million for... Yeah, no. You don't. You can, you can go out and get someone else that's a better value for money deal. And I like Antuna. I really do. I just don't... Mm-hmm. What's been shaping up, I don't think, lends itself to bringing him back. And financially. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, uh, not, not, not with the other decisions that could be made. And, and we still have to wait and officially here. We can pretty much guess who's, who's going next um, with Felcher and, you know, but again, rules and regulations and money. And then maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe something, well, if we keep Antuna, maybe something with this summer window, I don't know if that would affect that at all, but, or what they could do with it. But yeah. Um, and you know, for, uh, the there's chances. First off for the half season that Emmanuel Boateng uh, delivered us. Oh yeah. He was, <laughs> Before he, was, he went to DC United, guys. Yeah, and apparently he may not last there either. So, um, I, I mean, if uh, if you were listening to this pod and you haven't heard Emmanuel Boateng's story, it is a really incredible story. I mean, born in Ghana, moved to the United States. Um, he's a really he's a really fascinating person, a really cool character. Um, I mean, he just I mean, Zlatan Ball just wasn't going to work with that guy. Yeah, he, I, and I kill I know that like we kind of. We're kidding about his height. That he really isn't as short as we think, but it's just no way, man. He just couldn't get the ball though. Though like, he would try, you know, but it, it just yeah. He's a consummate workhorse. Um, mm-hmm. and I wish him not, nothing but the best. But yeah, exactly. But. And, and and for what he did for us in the past, like I am grateful. You know, that spark off the bench and. I mean, the big question about finish up a game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, the big question moving forward for the Galaxy is they have to replace fifty-two percent of their goals. Would be leaving like that's not easy. Um, no. So I think I think I have a feeling the Galaxy knew this was coming for the off season, but the off season becomes that much harder because they are now absolutely compelled to go out and find someone that is a massive name and that mm. that can work. But sometimes if you're compelled to do it, unless Steven Gerrard, it doesn't always go well. Oh, dear. Yep. Yep. But hey, if they sign Edson Cavani, I'm more than in. I know. Well, we're we're save, we're saving it for for next for next week. Sure. Teaser, guys. Yeah. No, for sure. But especially like for me personally, like when it comes to the rumors, um, I know everybody's over it, and maybe it's just because it's the off season and and it's Twitter. But I really. You know, it's fun to think about, but for me, uh, until there's something like more solid or like the rumors actually have, you know, of course we've got our wish list, right? Of people, yeah. but um, which you guys just wait next week, I promise. Um, you know, yeah, we'll. For me, it's just like everything is just speculation, and I and while some people and most people seem to enjoy that, I'm more like, okay, don't get my hopes up and get me excited about something that probably isn't even gonna happen. Um, that's but that's that's just my personal perspective. Yeah. And I mean I'll play also, I'll play the game, that's what we're doing on the pod, you know? <laughs> I think also um, one of the things uh, that uh, that we ha- we have to be very reticent about is the fact that it's a CBA negotiation year and I think it's going to yes, keep I think it's going to strike. Yeah I was gonna say I think it, it's going to keep rumors and moves 
very quiet until they have decided on a new contract, mainly because people don't want to be operating as a club on 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 they don't want to be stuck behind if if the CBA changes in terms of like salary cap and allocation money, et cetera. They want no smart club is going to operate on last year's rules, so to speak. So like they're going to I think a lot of clubs are going to be waiting. And then once the CBA is ratified, you're going to see a lot of just really quick movement throughout the league. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to change the January window too much, just because if you're going to bring in a player, you were going to bring in a player no matter what. But And based on their uh, scheduling of a lot of the, like the opening games, like let's say for Miami already, like you, you already kind of feel like, well, maybe they expect things to work out, which um, I mean, is a way to plan anyway, but. I think that is a little bit of a pressure move on the Players Association to be like, we schedule these games. Do you want to disappoint fans? Mm-hmm. Agree with us. Um, but we'll we'll definitely be aggressively talking about the CBA in the offseason. Oh, for sure. Over the coming weeks. So, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be quiet until we have an idea of what the CBA is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But meantime, we'll be giving you guys all the content. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and and a lot of people are look. It's not just going to be speculations and, and things like that. I I want to hear. I'm trying to get in touch with. Uh, there's some people that we've been wanting on the pod. Um, so we'll, I'll be reaching out to, for to them, and uh, we want to share, you know, our, our favorite memories of being Galaxy fans from the start. And we have we have a fantastic Christmas episode planned. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that was pretty much everything that we wanted to cover because there's no U.S. women's game till January um, for qualifying as well. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Stay tuned. Lots coming at you. Rate, rate and subscribe or uh, subscribe to our podcast and rate it on wherever you get your podcast because that yes, helps please us and a lot. <laughs> yeah, please and thank you. And I really unless do appreciate. One, unless you're going to rate it one star, in which case, uh, yeah, save that one star and go. Okay. Yeah, just, well, no, I was going to say, just DM me and tell me, like, what can we do to improve? Like, somebody said that they wanted me to, like, play devil's advocate more when it came to to you, Christian. And oh, so, I'm like, yeah, I know, right? And I'm just what, like, well, do it I agree with them. Like, I know that's what devil's advocate is, but the devil does not need a lawyer. So, I just say, like, um, yeah, but I, I understand that for entertainment value. So, I really appreciate any and all feedback, guys. Uh you know, we're on Twitter, um, simply soccer underscore underscore. I am MC Hootink. Um, in case you don't already know, if you're listening, 99.9% of chance that you already do know. Um, Christian Conway, in case you can't find my name because it's difficult, you got him. <laughs> Pants 121 on Twitter. Yep. And, uh, and please, send me, please send me cute photos of your dog if you're going to say anything mean to me. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I love dogs too. And then yeah, simply soccer underscore underscore one, two, three, four. When it comes to Instagram, you guys are very accessible. We're here and uh, I, I'm doing this for you. I, I know um, my podcast counterparts are, are taking their off season break. And for me, um, work doesn't stop. So, and I don't want it to, <laughs> let's be honest. Sleep here. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys so much. Uh, much appreciated and we'll keep it coming. Happy weekend.